Well, good morning. morning. Welcome to Zion on this 13th Sunday after Pentecost. Uh, before we begin our worship, a few things to share this morning. Uh, first, as a reminder, uh, the congregational meeting following worship next Sunday. Uh, please remember to stay after worship if you're a member next Sunday uh, to be there for that meeting. And again, any questions or concerns about the meeting can be addressed to Steve. Uh, also a reminder that Sunday school and confirmation will begin next Sunday, 9 o'clock. Uh, there'll be Sunday school for all ages, so all are invited and all are welcome. Uh, if you're an early riser, we hope to have coffee and baked goods or other treats there, 8.45, 8.30ish, so you can come in, uh, fellowship with us, hang out, get your caffeine fix, uh, and then we will dive into the Word of God together as we separate into our classes. I uh, also wanted to share with you that over the last three weeks, we had raised money to go to the Kentucky flood relief effort through Thrivent um, and disaster relief. So our congregation raised $780 over the last three weeks. Uh, so with Thrivent's matching, that's about $1,200 that will go directly to ministry there in Eastern Kentucky to help those who were affected by the flooding last month. Um, at this time, I'm gonna have Mary come up and talk to us about the coming garage sale. Yeah, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about the upcoming garage sale and free lunch. Some people ask how this all came about. It was really uh, Ryan and I kind of brainstormed of a project to do in the fall. Usually we try to do something for the community. So we kind of came up with the garage sale and free lunch. Um, of course you realize the community of Lafayette that is their community garage sale is sat as Friday and Saturday, the 23rd and the 24th, but we're just picking the, the Saturday because we figured we could pick up a better lunch crowd then. Um, a garage sale, we'd ask you to go through your closets and everything at home and clean out. Um, we want to have a lot of tables lined up on the sidewalk. The garage sale is kind of unique. All of our stuff is priced at a quarter. So um, we ask that, I mean, unless you want to, uh, not bring like, you know, high ticket items or high things that are worth. But these are things that you would probably give to Goodwill or maybe the thrift shop anyway. So we'll set it all out. And this is to benefit people. And we especially want to have like, clothes and shoes and things like that that people especially with these economic times that they can get pick up something for a quarter and then we're not charging anything for the meal and I think on your bulletin there's an insert that shows uh, what the meal is so to put this on we need workers so in the lower narthex are the sign-up sheets and it's for the garage sale and for the meal. Um, and I put them in like two hour increments. So if you could, and take more than one, I mean, some people I've heard they wanna come and work 
a lot of the day or if you just want to come for a couple hours, that's fine too. But of course, it'll be setting the tables up. We'll do that Friday morning from 9 to noon the day before so we can just carry the tables out then. Um, of course, there'll be food prep on Saturday, takedown for that, and you know, so we hope to have a good turnout. I hope the weather's good so we can have the tables outside. And uh, just on another housekeeping note, I've been working in the kitchen this week, and I went through all the cupboards, cleaning them and taking things out. So I didn't throw anything out, no, no. But on the kitchen counter there is just odds and ends, casserole dishes, some different kind of plates and things that I've never really seen us use. If you would, sometime uh, after church today, uh, stop out there, or maybe people that are in the breakfast group. I don't want to get I don't want to get rid of something that you use or whatever, but it just was items that were there from the last time I cleaned it so that we hadn't been using. So if you just check those out and make sure if it's something of yours, take it home. Or if not, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the stuff in the, in the garage sale. So, okay, so it's, you know, many hands lighten the work, so... Hope we have a good turnout. Thank you. All right, and you'll also notice in your bulletin an insert about the Diaconia program through our Synod. Uh, Diaconia is an opportunity for lay members and congregations uh, to go a little deeper in their faith and to get a little more formal education and learning about the church and, and what we confess. Uh, you can read the insert there if you're interested. Let me know if you're interested in financial assistance to take those courses. Uh, the Synod says that's available as well, so let me know and, and we can get that worked out. Are there any prayer requests for the congregation or other announcements that we should be aware of? If you're planning to join the Dolphin School class next Sunday, there are books laid on the table over there. You're welcome to take one home and review the first and second lesson. Yeah, if you'd like to take a book early just to get a feel for what the lessons will be, feel free to take a, take a book and, and those will be out. All right, I'll invite you then to take a moment to quiet your heart and quiet your mind as we listen to the prelude and prepare to worship.
congregation. I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We are sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may find the world and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. And the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ, was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Direct us, O Lord God, in all of our doings, with your continual help, that in all our works, begun, continued, and ended in you, we may glorify your holy name. And finally, by your mercy, bring us to everlasting life, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The first reading is from Deuteronomy. 
See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today, by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways, and observing his commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and holding fast to him. For that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. The word of the Lord. We will um, say responsibly Psalm 1. Happy are they who have not walked in the counsel of the wicked, nor lingered in the way of sinners, nor sat in the seats of the scornful. They are like trees planted by streams of water, bearing fruit in due season with leaves that do not wither. Everything they do shall prosper. It is not so with the wicked. They are like chaff which goes away. Therefore the wicked shall not stand upright when judgment comes, nor the sinner in the counsel of the righteous. The second reading is from Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker. To Apphia, our sister. And to Archippus, our fellow soldier. And to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When I remember you in my prayers, I always thank my God because I hear of your love for all saints and your faith toward the Lord Jesus. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all the good that we may do for Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. For this reason, Though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do your duty, yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love. And I, Paul, do this as an old man, and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I am appealing to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, that is my own heart, back to you. 
I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Perhaps this is the reason he was separated from you for a while, so that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So, if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say nothing about your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident in your obedience, I am writing to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Luke. Now, large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So, therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, I invite you to be seated. Children, I invite you to come forward. thinking how this time of year, if you were to go outside and spend some time outside, probably not today, but on a nice day, if you were to spend some time outside, you'd very likely see a butterfly, right? I've been seeing monarchs flying around and other little butterflies flying around. It's that time of year. So I was thinking about, this is like science class, huh? the change of butterflies and the life cycle of butterfly, right? You all know this, that butterflies change, right? Butterfly, you got an egg and a caterpillar and a chrysalis, and then it emerges and you get this beautiful butterfly, right? You all know about that, yeah, right? Okay, good. Uh, but I was thinking about that change, right, and how there are these changes in nature that I think sometimes speak to us about the good news also that we get in the scripture. 
So our, our reading this morning, our second reading, tells us of a change that happens with two men, one named Philemon and one named Onesimus. And Philemon was an owner of Onesimus. Onesimus was his slave. And in that story, it tells us about how Onesimus becomes a Christian, how he's baptized and he's born again. And Paul, who's writing to this man named Philemon, says that Onesimus is no longer your slave, but he's your brother. Right? You don't see him anymore as a slave. See him as your very own brother, as your very own heart, someone related to you. Sometimes we talk about the gospel and we talk about the word of God and we talk about things at church and they just seem like ideas. But it's also true that the gospel changes things in real life. Just like butterfly is changed throughout its life cycle, the gospel changes us. It makes us new. It gives us a new identity. right? Because when we say, when we're baptized, we're no longer just sinners. Rather, we're children of God. But that means also how we relate to one another changes. right? We don't just see each other as just neighbors or just enemies or whatever it is, whatever clique we're in, whatever group we're in. Rather, the gospel changes us so that we're all children of God. And we see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's good news, right? Because you're given this whole new family in Christ. You have your family, but it's so much bigger even than what we have with the church. All of these people behind us are your brothers and your sisters. That's good news. Let's pray. Lord, you have made us your children through the gospel. And Lord, help us to be encouraged and comforted by this truth, to knowing that you change us for your good. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's never not shocking to hear this gospel lesson. It's never not shocking to hear Jesus say, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, cannot be my disciples. Jesus is telling us here to hate our family. He even goes on to tell us that none of us can become his disciples if we do not give up all of our possessions. And he says, this is the cost of discipleship. He says, it's like if you were to go build a tower, you would estimate the cost beforehand to finish the project. Well, if you're going to be Jesus' disciple, you'll want to consider the cost. And it seems in our gospel reading that the cost is hating your family. The cost is giving up everything you own. And so usually preachers like me have the job of trying to make Jesus' words easier, right? To, to take away the shock. Because we know that Jesus did not hate his mother. We know that he cared for his family. We know that Jesus did not call all of those who followed him to give up all their possessions. So what is Jesus actually telling us to do? What's the takeaway here? The story of Philemon and Onesimus that we've gotten in our second reading, 
I think is a good illustration of what Jesus is telling us. So what we have read this morning is pretty much the whole book of Philemon. It's just one chapter, 24 verses. And so what we read is St. Paul's short letter to a man named Philemon. And so like a lot of the New Testament, we're reading someone else's mail. So we have to attempt to piece together a bigger story from the mail we have. And so in this case, we learn that Philemon has a slave named Onesimus, which means useful in Greek, and that Onesimus has likely stolen money from Philemon and then has run away. And Onesimus may have come to St. Paul for a kind of refuge, for a safe harbor, after the crimes that he has committed. And so just for some context, in the Roman Empire, slavery was perfectly legal. Actually, it's estimated that about a third of the empire's population was made of slaves. And these slaves were completely the property of the owner. They had no rights at all. There were no limitations on what an owner could do to a slave. And so it was not nicer or easier than maybe what we think of as slavery in America. It was a little different from American slavery because it was not based on race. Slaves were descendants of prisoners of war and captured during war, but they could be from any which land, whereas in America, slavery was race-based. It was enslaving people from West Central Africa and their children. But in the Roman Empire, you had real no way, no way to tell if someone was a slave by just looking at them. And so it was easy for someone like Onesimus to run away, to leave. However, the consequences for leaving were serious. The consequences for running away as a slave were certain torture, certain death. If you were caught, you would be humiliated. And so Onesimus, having left Philemon's house, his master's house, comes to St. Paul. And perhaps he had met Paul before, perhaps he knew him by reputation. And at this time, Paul is likely under house arrest himself in Rome. He says he's in chains. And it appears to us that Onesimus has become a Christian when he came to Paul. He was baptized. He was born again. Paul says that Onesimus, this runaway slave, has become his child. Paul calls Onesimus his very own heart. And in making a pun on Onesimus' name, Paul says, he who once was useless has now become useful. Paul then says he would like to keep Onesimus with him, but instead he's going to send him back to Philemon. And that, of course, might seem dangerous. Philemon has a legal expectation to see that Onesimus is punished, even executed for his crimes. Onesimus had stolen from him and had run away. And so Philemon has to weigh this question. What kind of example would it be to the other slaves in the community if Onesimus is simply forgiven? But this is what Paul is asking of Philemon. He says to accept Onesimus, this runaway slave, not as a slave, but as a brother. Paul is saying that through baptism, Onesimus is now Philemon's brother. And that having a brother is infinitely more valuable than having a slave. Paul is asking Philemon to forgive and to reconcile and to accept this runaway slave as a brother. To accept Philemon, to accept Philemon as a brother 
to accept Onesimus as a brother is for Philemon to give up his rights. He has a right to punish Onesimus. He has a right to seek recompense for the wrongs that have been committed to him. He has a legal, even obligation, to see that justice is done to this runaway slave. And for Philemon, this might give him a reputation as someone dishonorable. It might make him seem weak. It might make him an outcast to other wealthy men in the community. And Paul is asking this runaway slave, Onesimus, to return to his owner, the owner who has a legal obligation to punish him. Gosh, that seems dangerous. Paul is asking Onesimus to risk death, to risk bodily harm, to go back. Now, I'm confident that Paul would not have sent him back if he believed that to be the case. But Paul knows the power of the gospel to reconcile. Paul knows the power of the gospel to transform hearts. And he is asking Onesimus to go back as a brother, not as a slave. He is asking Onesimus, the runaway slave, to receive something that is forgiveness and fellowship and true community. And in the reconciliation of the two, they are to become a blessing to one another, to become of infinite value to one another. But it requires both men to say that there are more important and better things in their lives than being right. There is more important things in their lives than just their reputation. There is more than even their very own lives at stake here, and it's more powerful than even that. Well, that's Jesus' point in our gospel. Do we imagine that there is more at stake in this world than our family? Most people will list their family as their highest priority. Families are generally why we do what we do. Our time is committed to bettering our family. We serve them. We work for them. We love them. We bear a family name and identity. We work to create a family reputation. And the Bible teaches us that there's nothing wrong with that. But can we imagine that there's more? Philemon is asked to believe that there is more to Onesimus than a runaway slave. We too are asked to consider that there is more to one another than just the ties of this world. The grace of our baptisms is to be more powerful for us than even the ties of our family names. Likewise, can we imagine that there is more to this life than just being right? Is there more than just possessions, more than just success? Can there be a whole new identity for us? As Christians, our identities are changed. When we're baptized, we're no longer condemned sinners in the eyes of God, but we're his very own children. We are changed from spiritual orphans to full members of the family of God. We become inheritors of eternal life. And we get there by letting go of all the things that bring us false security in this world and by instead receiving what Christ has done for us on the cross. Christ calls us to carry the cross that's given to us. That is to put down the things that seem important in this world. Because the truth is our families can become idols, our possessions can become idols, our reputations can become idols, and we can come to believe that our whole world centers on them. But when we put these things aside and no longer make them our only priority, 
then we have the opportunity to receive that which is better. Philemon puts aside a need to be right, a need to get revenge, a need to get payment. He puts this aside and he gains a brother. He is able to imagine that God has created a hopeful situation out of a hopeless one. In the same way, when we begin to put aside the belief that our world is about our family or our job or our possessions or our reputation, we will gain something because we gain the freedom of the cross. That's the freedom to live restfully in the truth that God is your father. It's the freedom to remember that you have been born again as God's child. And being born again, we can follow Jesus as his disciples, not clinging on to the things of this world, not clinging on to anything that might weigh us down, but clinging to the hope that he offers. Because in him, there is a greater hope in this world. Amen.
together, let us stand and confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. O God, our King, you counted the terrible cost of our salvation and sent your Son to give his life on the cross. Inspire our hearts to trust fully in his sacrificial victory, that we would follow in his way through death and into eternal life. Lord, in your mercy. Divine Shepherd, you give life to your church through your holy word. Grant your people always to walk in your way and receive your blessings as they serve you in this world and in the life to come. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, you are our life and length of days, and you set before us your gift of life in your holy word. Preserve your institutions of marriage and family. Guard husbands and wives, parents and children and neighbors. Let every relationship in our homes and communities exemplify your love for us in Christ and grant that all might follow him in their service to one another. Lord, in your mercy. Good Lord, preserve us from the ways of the wicked and prosper us in your ways. We commend to you all who bear office in our land, especially our President Joseph and our Governor Richard Michael, and ask you to make them a blessing to those they serve. Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, give the strength of the Spirit to all who are suffering or in any kind of need, and especially to those we remember before you today, including Owen and Cheryl, Tom, Doug, Anita, Ray, Amanda, Marilyn, Mike, Nancy, Rose, Tony, and Carolyn. Nancy and Rob, that they might have the courage and will to take up their cross today and follow the Savior through suffering into the joys of life everlasting. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, you have set before us life and death, blessing and curse in your holy word. 
Now at the altar, through his own word, your son sets before us his body and blood. Grant that all who receive the sacrament today might do so with faithful hearts, rejoicing in your gifts of forgiveness, life, and salvation for the sake of Jesus. Lord, in your mercy. Preserve us, O Lord, from all temptation and grant us faith that we may rest all of our prayers and the desires of our hearts in your mercy. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now the peace of the Lord be with you always. Holy God, gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way that all may know your care. And prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, Almighty and merciful Father, through our Savior Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, 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 Lord, 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 
are indeed holy, almighty, and merciful God. You are most holy, and great is the majesty of your glory. You so love the world that you gave your only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. We give you thanks for his coming into the world to fulfill for us your holy will, and to accomplish all things for our salvation. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again after supper he took the cup, gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Remembering, therefore, his solitary command, his life-giving passion and death, his glorious resurrection and ascension, and the promise of his coming again, we give thanks to you, O Lord God Almighty, not as we ought, but as we are able. We ask you mercifully to accept our praise and thanksgiving, and with your word and Holy Spirit to bless us, your servants, and these your own gifts of bread and wine, so that we and all who share in the body and blood of Christ may be filled with heavenly blessing and grace, and receiving the forgiveness of sin, may be formed to live as your holy people, and be given our inheritance with all your saints. To you, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all honor and glory in your holy church, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom, and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace.
Go in peace. Serve the Lord.